from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your always looking good host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. We got a fun interview scheduled today. I love it because today's guest is just one of those guests kind of hit it off with. We met because of the show. He listens to it, reached out, and I don't know. I think we're kind of friends now. <laughs> we'll see. I might actually have him on one of my live streams that we're going to be doing at Hotline.co. And today, though, we're going to be talking about money again. Everybody loves talking about money. But first, okay, got to remember, join the channel for only $3 a month, okay, on YouTube. You got to go to YouTube for this. You hit that join button. You can become a baby shark, okay? Gives you some benefits or some other tiers there. Join now. If giving money, though, through big tech isn't your thing, don't worry. I got your back. Feel free to go over to our sister brand, deadhousecoffee.com. Use code SHARK. Get 20% off your purchase and all the proceeds help this channel grow. And I don't know if, you, if you're on YouTube, you're, you're seeing this right now, but I am actually wearing my Dead House Coffee logo shirt. This is our hardcore zombie design. The one that, that it actually scares my kids. So we only have it on limited products. But I love it. I think it's awesome. I named this guy Stan. But uh, yeah, check it out, deadhousecoffee.com. So as I was saying today, we're going to discuss cash flow through better invoicing. It's really great stuff. So many companies lose so much money just because they stink at invoicing people. And the worst part is that there are tools out there. And in case you're wondering, for my day job, I do sell those tools, so reach out to me. But there are tools out there for small to medium businesses. You don't have to be a Fortune 500 company to get this enterprise-level tech. There is stuff that's scaled down to businesses your size that's going to be at your price point that does what you need. Whether it's AP, AR, collections, whatever your pain point is, there's stuff out there to make your life so much easier. So who is today's guest? Oh, so glad you asked. Mr. Michael Eckstein. Michael Eckstein is an accountant and business advisor. He helps small business owners increase profitability, fix cash flow, and create business strategy so they can enjoy more date nights take more vacations, and build their personal wealth. He also writes the best darn small business newsletter on the internet. Well, at least according to his mother. <laughs> so, hey, I'm going to shut up. Let's bring Michael audit here. Business strategy. Michael, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bait. Ooh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. 
Oh, no problem. No problem at all. We got a tradition on this show. Very first question, ask everybody the same thing, okay? Mm. What is your background? Where did you come from? How did you get what you're doing? What are you an expert in? Why should people listen to you? Basically, tell us what makes Michael, Michael. So like most other accountants, I got into accounting because my dad is an accountant, right? Very fun yeah. origin story, right? Mm -hmm. As people <laughs> have like the coolest origin stories. I'm just like my dad, I, I can do math, right? So uh, <laughs> that's how I got into accounting. And then out of college, I worked for him. I mainly did tax accounting for a while. And now I'm kind of transitioning a little bit more into holistic advisory focused accounting. Mm-hmm. So when you did, when you said tax accounting, are you talking just general tax accounting, personal business, payroll? What exactly? For me, and typically, I guess, when you say tax accounting, it's unless you specify what kind, it's typically personal and business taxes. But like there okay. are tax accounts that only do payroll or only do yeah. state and local tax or foreign or whatever. But for me, it was kind of garden variety. Yeah, we had on the show, this was, well, wow, about uh, 30, 40, maybe even 50 episodes ago oh. by now, uh, Charles Reed, who is the CEO of payroll, getpayroll.com. And mm -hmm. great guy. In fact, I still work with him to this day. Our companies have a partnership that we develop. And, you know, it, it was pretty interesting because I didn't, I, I guess I knew this in the back of my head. And I know taxes are complicated, but I never thought that, oh, wow, you do have people that can specialize in certain types of taxes. Yeah. Certain types of taxes, it's like you don't even really realize how complicated taxes until you're really in there. There's mm -hmm. certain kind of niches of tax that if a client comes to me and says, hey, I need X, Y, Z, I'm like, you need another guy. Wow. <laughs> because some <laughs> niches of tax. I'm That's like, I'll funny. find you the guy. I know <laughs> some people, but like some of them get like mega complicated when you really like dig down deep into it. And yeah. just like, could I BS my way through it? Definitely. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a disservice to my clients. So I'm not gonna, you know, I'd rather be like, yeah, go somewhere else. Go someone I know will take care of you. Right. That's the same thing. Same thing with me. I think that's the ultimate relationship. I mean, with the podcast, I get a lot of people that reach out to me and they're like, Hey, David, I'm stuck. I don't know what I need, but I listen to your show and I'm pretty certain that you're not going to yank my leg, that you'll send me to the right direction. Yeah. Cause I have a pretty deep network as evident in this show. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, that that's something that I kind of pride myself on too. Like, yeah, come to me. I don't care if I'm not the fit for you. I yeah. know people that will be the fit for you. So yep. I thought that, that that's a pretty awesome philosophy. And that also goes to the, you know, the what goes around comes around type thing in my head, too, because I, I I believe in that a lot. You know, you're doing good things. You're doing positive things. All that stuff is going to come back and ultimately, you know, help you because, you know, the person you just helped, I mean, who knows? Maybe a few years from now, he's with another company or they're with this or that. Yeah. And they are my client because they're not going to forget what, how I unselfishly still mm. help them. Yeah. You took care of them when they needed it, right? Yeah. So right now, what exactly are you out there doing with the, the tax stuff? You're doing both the business and the personal taxes. Yeah, exactly. 
So I guess it's a pretty good summary, actually. I primarily do the business and personal taxes for my clients, <laughs> right? Um, I do some sales tax, some payroll, right? Typically with payroll, mm-hmm. I put them onto a platform, set everything up, and I'm just like, this will take care of you, right? Do you do that with the, with the sales tax as well, too? Because that's pretty complicated. With sales tax, um, if it's one state or two states, and this is just like general, I guess not tax advice. Nothing I say is tax advice. Don't sue me. But um, all right, I always got to add great. a disclaimer, right? Um, yes, you sales, do. With sales tax, if it's one or two states, if you're like a local brick and mortar retailer, you know, you don't really have to worry. You have one state, two state. It's whatever you can manually do it. Right. Once you start selling in, you know, online, you start doing e-com, you know, it used to be a few years ago, no big right. deal. But then there was the Wayfair case, which Wayfair totally ruling. changed. Right. It totally changed the way sales tax nexus worked. And I can't remember what state it is. I just saw it the other day on LinkedIn. Someone was talking about it. If you sell one item in the state, you now have to collect sales tax for them. It's right. probably I, I would mm-hmm. I would guarantee probably that that is going to be California. And I think they were one of the, if I remember, we've had Avalara on here, John Regan, he's a good Mm -hmm. friend of mine. And he came on and he was really explaining a lot with the wafer ruling and how that's changed. But even since that conversation, I already knew a lot of that stuff just from my day job with ERP. But I know right now I have a coffee Company. I just launched my own coffee company about four or five weeks ago, Dead House Coffee. Zombie themed coffee. Can't get better than that, right? And what I'm seeing here is that sometimes, you know, you get into the cities or the counties and they also have their own sales tax. And Mm. that's where, oh my God, it gets super complicated. And, you know, this is, it kind of scares me a little bit because it like, how much of a mess is this going to become tax time? Yeah. You know, some states aren't so bad. Like New York State likes to run all of its taxes through the state. So even city tax, yeah. local sales tax, they go through the state and then I guess they worry about it. But some places you had to file a sales tax tax return with every single jurisdiction. And it's just like, yeah. what a nightmare, right? Yeah. So definitely there's a few softwares like Avalara, TaxJar. There's a few others I'm not remembering right now. It's worth it. Like they're, they can be pricey. Don't get me wrong, but like yeah. it will keep you in full compliance. There's people there. I mean, I'm assuming I don't work there. It's There's one place there. for all the certificates, for example, because you could have yeah. 50 different states that you're mm-hmm. selling into. I guess John was saying most cases, it's probably at least 48 because you're doing all the continual United States. And then within that, I mean, for example, I have my my certificates right here. I think I got four or five of them. I have sales tax, use tax, wholesaler license, yep. tax exempt licenses. And you got to keep all those numbers. And this is, you know, like a digital storage house to have all of those in one place. Yeah. Not only do you have to keep the numbers, but you have to have the number, mm-hmm. at least in New York. Um you must have a certificate of authority to collect sales tax. So like if you don't have it and you try and do the right thing and collect sales tax without it, you're technically wrong still. So it's just like there's so many like rules and stuff that get the software integrated into whatever platform you're using, like Shopify, whatever it is, I don't know, and let them worry about it. They'll track it and hopefully take care of everything right. Try and make it their problem. It's not worth the cost savings. So I'm going to ask you then, since you're an expert on this, I'm Mm. using Shopify. 
I activated the sales tax only for Pennsylvania. I hope no, uh, you know, the California franchise board's not listening. Um, but uh, <laughs> I active for right now. Now, as we're we're still doing our hard rollout, so it's not a hundred percent rolled out. We're in soft launch mode. But with that, when they do the sales tax in Shopify, that are they collecting it and? reporting that and paying that to the state or is they sending that directly to me in the payments then too and then i have to go repay it you know i'm not a shopify expert to be honest so i'm gonna get shopify on here next yeah (laughs) i I do know if you do need a salt attorney a state and local tax attorney i do know Mm -hmm. someone who you know i think she works at the firm that was involved in the wayfair case so that'd be great Right. Yeah. But, um, Stop. You know, that that's actually uh, very interesting because I've been seeing that around that I'm like, OK, I'm pretty sure the state's not salty, that this is actually an acronym for something. And you just said it. It's state and local taxes. That's great. Yep. Yep. OK. It's the Rodney so, danger field of taxes. It doesn't get any respect. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So. One of the things that businesses like me, whatever it may be, and this is crosses over into a lot of the area that I help out with too, which is one of the reasons that I'm so excited to have you onto the show, is one of your areas of specialties is is helping to automate and do smarter invoicing. Can you mm-hmm. explain how you define that and how you vision that? So my thing with invoicing, it comes back to cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the saying goes, you know, what is it? Revenue is vanity, profit is uh, whatever. Cash flow sanity. You get it. Everyone gets it. Cash flow is king. Oh. Cash flow is king. I was just about cash to say that, insane. man. Forget it. I George yeah. pushed that quote. Anyway, <laughs> cash flow is king, right? And in the accounting space, uh, cash flow forecasts have become a much bigger thing recently because the tech has evolved where you can now easily do cash flow forecasts. Whereas like 20, 30 years ago, you needed to have proprietary Excel sheets. And like accounting firms had them under lock and key. They cost a lot of money to have, but now there's software that integrates with base level accounting stuff, ERPs like you guys have, and you can have cash flow forecasts. But for me, I think that while cash flow forecasts are nice, Mm-hmm. Fixing your cash flow issues are a bigger deal. And in mm-hmm. the average small and like micro business, having better invoicing procedures will fix your cash flow more than a cash flow forecast will ever do for you. Why plan around crappy cash flow? Am yep. I allowed to say crappy? I don't know. You you can but, say, well, you just did. I'm not gonna beep it up. That it twice. <laughs> I'll I'll curse more. But um why plan around your cashy crappy cash flow when you can fix it? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think there's too much emphasis on the forecast and we should spend some time talking about invoicing and fixing it. No, there so I wanna I wanna back you up on that because yeah. again, for any new listeners out there that haven't uh, I don't mention every episode what I do for my day job only when it's relevant in cases like mm-hmm. this. But mm-hmm. I, I I do ERP, I run the Northeast and the East Coast for Vision 33 with SAP Business One and also Sage Intact. And with both of those small business solutions, I can say almost six years ago when I started with Vision, we did not get many prospects asking for cash forecast reports and stuff like that. However, 
And I don't know, maybe this is spurred a little bit because of COVID and people wanting to know more. But within the last year, I would definitely say that has increased a lot hmm. to where it's almost every other to one in three are asking for this type of stuff. Yeah, maybe I'm just noticing it now, but I feel like there has been a lot more talk about cash flow. Yeah, you know, everyone's always known it was important, but I think everyone finally realized the tech exists because yeah, even five years ago, 10 years ago, the tech didn't really exist to be able to seamlessly do it like we can today. You still had right. to export data into an Excel. You still had to really understand cash flow to be doing these simulations. Now there's right. tech, there's like, at least five plus major apps that take care of it for you. Yeah, yeah, there is. And, you know, I kind of think that this is just like Microsoft Teams. This is just like Zoom, all that stuff. I mean, Zoom was here before the pandemic. Mm. Zoom, the Teams was here while well, it was kind of still new a little bit, but you had that or Skype for business. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had solutions like that, uh, that all existed to be able to work remote and stuff, but they were still kind of crude. And because of the emphasis that the pandemic has put on it, it's like, oh, they just got a big shot of adrenaline and got a lot of dev dollars put towards them. And I think the cash flow part has definitely, you know, experienced that within the last year. And, you know, it's got a lot of buzz around it. So, mm -hmm. You mentioned about how they're struggling because of the terrible invoicing practices. How can they do the smarter invoicing then? So I think it comes down to a few things, right? And we'll just start from the beginning of the process to the end of the process. Yes. Part of the problem um, with cash flow is every time there's friction in your mm -hmm. cash process, it right. delays things. So if there's friction with the invoice, it slows down the payment of the invoice, right? So how can we remove as much friction from the invoice as possible? And I think that what do you starts... define as friction? Sorry. Anything that makes it more difficult. So I guess okay. to give you an example right now, you know, it's like when you buy something online, if you can go there right there and click one button and pay, it's much easier mm -hmm. to pay than if I have to mail a check. Oh yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. And that little bit of friction, like, yeah, the business has to take the credit card fee and pay that the 2.93% or less, right? Yep. Depending on your processor. Yeah, you have to pay the fee, but it accelerates your cash flow like no big deal, right? Yeah. If someone can just click right there and be like, here's my credit card, take my money, they'll pay you right then. But if they have to mm -hmm. mail a check, they look at the invoice and they go, I'll do this later, right? And a day or two later, is, it impacts your cash flow. Yeah, on one hand, a day or two in the grand scheme of life isn't that much, but it just extended how long your invoices sit for a day or two. Oh, yeah, that's exactly I, I, I did the same exact thing when I had because I'm technically I made the LLC for this business, mm -hmm. uh, which I think I picked the coolest uh, LLC name for the coffee and pod, podcast is in this, too. It's called Dead Brands LLC. It, it wasn't taken. How can you not have Dead Brands? <laughs> So I picked it, um, you know, and I had to get a, I guess, a zoning permit because it technically is done here from my home office, my house. And it just took me forever. I had the application filled out. I have it printed out. I 
honestly, as of this point, I have not submitted it yet. And it's just because I have to mail it with a check. But yet all the other state paperwork where I could just pay with credit card, do it instantly, fax it, whatever it is, all done. It's because I yeah. have to actually mail the check in and it's just, oh my God, so antiquated. It drives me nuts. And that is a friction and it's delaying them getting that much needed revenue too. Yeah. It's a real thing. Cause like when you say it and you don't give the example, it's just like, oh, of course they'll send a check. It's no big deal to send a check. Mm -hmm. I just grab the checkbook. But the reality is that, you know, to a little bit, we're all a little bit lazy and we don't yeah. want to go out of our routine. And it's not like 40 years ago where you were regularly writing checks. In the B2B yeah. space, people are still writing checks, sure, but not like they used to be. And yeah. it's like, oh, I got to go stop what I'm doing, write a check, write the envelope out, send the invoice. Yep. Ah. Find where I hid the stamps. Yeah, where are the stamps? I, I had to buy international stamps the other day. I was like, I didn't even know these oh, existed. International, what, like airmail stamps? No, just your plain old, I've, I've actually got them right here. Your plain oh, show old. them to the camera. Oh, there you go. Or block the address. That's what they still look yeah. like. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's uh, it's almost like a wax seal, I guess it looks a little like. Bit. It's supposed to be a flower, I think. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, Zoom doesn't have the highest uh, recording quality, but uh, flower, wax seals, same thing. Nice. But no, that that that's interesting. So, what? solutions out there exist in your opinion do you really like to try to give it you know the easiest the lowest hanging fruit to invoice and get paid to remove that friction i think there's two things there's the software aspect of it like obviously you should move away from excels and pdfs to legit even lower end accounting software has invoicing has pay online has stuff like that but I think a certain aspect of it is also on the user's end of it, mm -hmm. right? You should be talking about invoicing and payment terms during your sales process. We, you know, yeah. we focus so much on the amount of money we want to get paid, but not a lot on the payment terms themselves. And the payment terms themselves are an important thing. Am I getting paid beforehand? Am I getting paid afterwards? Are we doing milestones? How are we making this happen? What's the follow-up look like? What's the fees, interest, stuff like that? Yeah. It's important, you know? And mm -hmm. the more you can like really outline the invoice upfront during the sales process, and the more they expect the invoice, the less of a mm -hmm. surprise it is. You right. know? And of course, like they're going to get invoiced for the work, but it's still a surprise. And the less of a surprise it is, the faster it gets paid. Right. So there's yeah. that. And the second aspect of the user end is making sure the invoice is correct. You know, it sounds silly, but I'm sure everyone listening has gotten an incorrect invoice. And what happens? I do when you it all the time. What happens when you get an incorrect invoice? You look at it and you're like, what? I got to deal with this now, right? Yeah. I have to send an email and it takes them a day or two to get back to you. You have to make phone calls. You know, maybe you're invoicing, you're, you're doing your payables, you're paying your invoices like a Thursday night, a Friday night, mm -hmm. you know? That just dragged it out into the next week, right? So right. something as simple as the invoice being a little bit wrong. And I'm not talking about like the wrong address, or not having your logo on it. You know, those things like, yeah, they make you look more professional, but they don't affect the invoice as much. Like I'm talking like the line items. Like I'm the right. treasurer of a nonprofit and I'll periodically get invoices with incorrect line items. And it's like, I got a day job and now I got to go sit here and go call some random like 
nursery selling flowers and being like, listen, well, I, line item four was wrong. And then the accounts receivable clerk wasn't there. So now they got to call me two days later. And like that invoice just got screwed for them. Right. Yeah. But uh, it's a five figure invoice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it is, it's annoying. I'm guilty of it. I sometimes, you know, rush through things too fast and I put in the wrong stuff of my sales invoices and my customers love that. Sometimes, you know, it benefits them though. I put too high of a discount because it's like, I can't remember what I said, but I know that it was at least 15%. So I'll give you 20% off and it's okay. (laughs) You know, it's stupid, but, uh, you know, it's rare circumstances. It saves a little bit of time. So sometimes they benefit with it, with it too. But I, I think one of the things that a lot of businesses struggle with is customers that pay late or are frequently late like we have some of those customers it's one of my largest customers you know we have net 30 terms and they are like well we don't pay anything to net 120 (laughs) and it's like that's not the contract you signed though and it's like what do you do with that so i think it's a few things in that case it depends if it's small business or enterprise if it's small business I would tell them They're to shove it up slightly. Huh? It's small biz. Okay. Yeah. But like, if they don't have like a legit accounting team in there, I, I would try and be like, listen, it's 120 days is ridiculous. You're not Fortune 500, right? Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, it's kind of one of those things. And now we're going off topic. But um, yeah. sometimes you can only pick being right or being happy, right? Mm-hmm. So do you pick being right and enforcing the contract and getting lawyers involved and making sure that 30 days happens? Or do you think being happy and keeping the biggest client? You know, yeah. This one uh, definitely being happy. Now, they're, they're small business, yeah. but they are multinational, C-level executives, all that stuff. So it's a little bit more complicated than I may have let on, but it's pretty, <laughs> pretty good, solid stuff there. So... Let's, you know, I I think one of the things that I'm getting out of our conversation here, though, is that, like you said earlier, cash flow is KIG. And in order to fix cash flow, one of the top reasons businesses suffer is because of that invoicing. I understood that correct, right? And removing all of that friction, Mm -hmm. making the whole process easier is really going to allow them to get their money faster. Customers are going to pay. I mean, with with the coffee store example there, I mean, one of the things I did was, okay, I'm going to activate Amazon Pay. I'm going to uh, activate crypto. I'm going to activate uh, PayPal. I got Shopify Pay, Klarna, so they could do it in four payments if they want to do that interest-free with uh, for their coffee. I try to make it as easy as possible so that no matter what they're doing, I know that the payment options are not going to be, you know, the the part where this all breaks down. Yeah. Oh, speaking of uh, crypto, I've I've got to ask because that's all over the news right now, you know, with how everything's bid lately. How, do you know how that exactly works as far as taking that in tax-wise, stuff like that, if you're accepting it as payment, as a business? So I don't know anything about crypto 
as a blockchain kind of thing. Like I don't right. really understand the tech behind it. But from the right. tax perspective, if you're selling an item for $20 and whether you get $20 cash, $20 Bitcoin, you still got $20, right? right. From their perspective, like for the business at the sale, there's a transaction of the sale. Now, if you hold on to it and you sell it later and it appreciates, you probably have to pay more tax on that. But, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there is a blooming business right now of crypto payment gateways that are mm -hmm. just out there accepting crypto. I mean, commerce, uh, Coinbase Commerce is one that I'm using right now, and I thought that was pretty cool. I'm a, I love bleeding edge tech, so I was as soon as I saw that, it was like, bam, I'm signing up. I want to accept Dogecoin. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Let's uh, let's jump into a few more topics because we do have a couple minutes here left. Um, you know, one of the things that I did see on the bio sheet that you saw that you sent me that kind of caught my eye was the building a lifestyle mm. business. And you have down lifestyle business versus normal business. Do you mm. want to kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. All right. So <laughs> there you I go. You a... got your first beep. Oh, oh, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. No, 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 you're no? good. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> but um, my thing with business, right, is, you know, I think small business advice is too mm -hmm. kind of full of startup culture, is too full of yeah. you always have to grow. You always have to be bigger. If you're not growing, you're dying. You have to have employees. You have to make... Mm -hmm you know, 10,000, 20, $30,000 a month. It's always more, 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 more. Yeah. But we never take the step back and look at what is the goal of the business? Because almost every business owner I know, every client, everyone I've met at an event, anyone has started it for a better life. They didn't start mm -hmm. it. I mean, some people started to be a gajillionaire, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But <laughs> some people started just for to have a better life. And in right. the beginning, that can mean better work-life balance. That can mean, mean you know, more vacations that can be, you know, putting your kids on the bus in the morning, getting them mm -hmm. off, off the bus later, being there to put them to sleep. Because, you know, sometimes you have a long commute, you don't get home until very late. So yeah. these are the reasons why people start businesses. But somewhere along the way, in the beginning of the business, you need business advice, and you go to the same try and true books, the same advice. And it always kind of pushes people in this direction of, you know, you must grow forever. You must be huge. You must be right. some sort of enterprise. And year the way, over year grow. Yeah. Do not stay stagnant. If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. And you kind of lose why you started at a certain mm -hmm. point. And instead of building the better life, you kind of end up in this kind of almost Sisyphean task of always growing. Mm -hmm. And it's a never ending task. And the thing is, is growth really building a bigger business or it is achieving the life goals you wanted when you started your business? Right. You know, the business is just a tool for you. You know, it's just money. Money enables the rest of our lives. You know, we don't take it with us. We run the business so we can live a better life. And I think the focus instead of growing forever should be the life we wanted when we started the business. That's the goal, not the million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's some deep stuff right there, Ben. Right? I think you just gave all of our listeners some good things to chew on. Yeah. People don't talk about it, though. And it's the thing that I guess almost 
pisses me off about small business advice that yeah. either you have like you must be the next big fortune 500 company or the people talking about living a better life are i don't want to say like crunchy hippies but like mm-hmm. there's like no in between where they're like here's solid advice but live your dreams at the same time it's always like one or the one other, or the other. and i've never met a client that fell into any either extreme every single one is just like i want to provide for my family i want to not work friday afternoons every single one you know but no advice says that that pisses me off well if you're in sales man you never work friday afternoons <laughs> oh, <I'm kidding. laughs> sorry about that salespeople. uh but no that's that's so very so very true and you know it's like us with the coffee stuff i mean what did we do it for well we did it because well one it support directly supports this podcast but number two it's like okay it gives my wife a chance to work do some things my uh mother uh soon to be 18 year old son gonna be helping too so it's a family business and it kind of just gives us an extra arm of revenue uh that allows us to kind of have that and growth is important i think for us at this point but it's just because Mm -hmm. we're starting out and then there's going to be another i i think uh, another step in the ladder to where it's like okay we've made it to like we're stable you know yeah. once we get to that stable point then it's like okay let's continue this you know growth is cool if we could do it but it's more of i i guess you would call that lifestyle business by what you're defining it, correct? Yeah, I think, you know, in the beginning of any business, you have to put food on the table. You know, it's a reality, you need money, right? And I think that's Mm -hmm. also something people you always hear on the internet, only take clients that pay you a lot. If you need money, take it, right? You need money, right? You got to pay rent, right? Yeah. And then eventually hit a point where you're doing well, and you got to really figure out what your goal is, you know? Mm -hmm. Because the reality is with your coffee company, are you going to compete with Starbucks? Eventually, you're going to have a cap, right? So why not decide for yourself? Instead of, you know, stressing and always trying to push the cap, you know, you're eventually going to hit the roof to hit the ceiling, right? Yep. You know, hopefully your business does great and you do so well that Starbucks notices and tries to crush you. That's the goal, (laughs) right? Yep. um, Well, everybody loves zombie-themed coffee, man. I mean, there's a I've calculated there are 33.1 million coffee and zombie lovers out there. So I got a huge market. Yeah, there's a huge market. <laughs> but how much of that market do you really need to have your dream? Right, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, we were looking like, yeah, I mean, if kind of one of those things where it depends how things go, you know, if it grows, it gets big, huge, you know, by yeah. happenstance, that's where, Fine. you know, obviously we're not going to turn it down. We pursue yeah. that path but um it, it's probably turning into more of a lifestyle business where right now just the mode get it up there to stability pay mm-hmm. the bills um and you know provide an awesome service to everybody out there that drinks it because it is the freshest coffee i've ever had i love it um and i drink a lot of coffee that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons why we we went down that route was because um to be honest, you know, started it just so that I could support my habit. I, I drink <laughs> that much. Co- I mean, I'm talking 10 to 15 cups of coffee a day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
and they're not small ones, man. Yeah. These are large. So, um, yeah, it's good though. It's good. So, anyways, we do got to get wrapping up. Do you have any final words of wisdoms for all the small business owners out there listening to you? Um, I guess we'll stay on the lifestyle business kind of topic, right? Yeah. Uh, really know what your goal is. And is your goal to keep getting that incremental 1% growth to keeping a little bit bigger? Or is your goal to kind of have more time off, more time with your kids to pay down your debts? Like figure out what the real true personal goal is and know that your business exists to serve you and your goals. You're not, you know, a slave to your business. It's there for you. You know, even though you, yeah, you got to do the client work and you got to do all the admin tasks, mm-hmm. it exi- you created it for you and your better life, your dream. And that's the goal, at least I think. Oh, that's great. That that deserves a mic drop right there. Michael, this has been amazing. How can people reach out and digitally stalk you? Oh, you can digitally, digitally. stalk me on LinkedIn. Digitally. LinkedIn, no big deal. Uh, my <laughs> physical address, 175 West Carver Street. But um, <laughs> yeah, LinkedIn. <laughs> Please, um, LinkedIn. Yep. So you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm posting pretty much every day, whatever stuff. Um, or join my newsletter where I actually say the rest of my smart thoughts, right? Yeah, you can find you me at uh, hashtag Michael.com. You got to spell out the hashtag though, right? Hashtag, hashtag Michael. Michael.com. We it's will memorable. definitely... Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We will definitely have that down in the description below, mm-hmm. whether you're on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, just click down there. You'll see the link to Michael's site. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for coming on, man. This has been fun. Yeah, no, this was great. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. Cheers. Wow, that was an awesome chat with Michael. First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor. Hit that like button. Smash that subscribe button. And if you really want to do us a solid, Please share this out to your network. Let's get it out there on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are out there on the internet, okay? Share this out there. I'd love to see nothing more than Michael and Sharkbite Biz Trending. Now, let's get back to our rock star guest, Michael. Some great, great points and excellent conversation, as I was telling you all earlier, Michael. You're watching this. I know you are. You're amazing. Thank you for coming on. Uh, before I forget, make sure you do check Michael out on LinkedIn. Okay. You want to check him out. He does these amazing bite sized videos that are like five minutes long. And I love them. They're, you know, full of great information. And I was checking them, just kind of seeing what other people say of them. And they love him too. He's getting a lot of likes, getting some comments. And he just started doing it. So it's really cool to see him get that type of feedback so quickly after launch. Now, let's get into what he was talking about. Cash forecasting, okay? That is something, and I said this during our interview, but I've been getting more requests for that every single day of my day job at the Vision 33. It seems to be one of the hot topics of the day. And maybe that's brought on because of COVID, you know, with the ups and downs of this pandemic, companies kind of want to have more predictions, more visibility into what their cash flow forecast is going to be. 
And Michael brings up some excellent points to kind of counter that, saying like, hey, look, those reports are nice. They're great, nice to have type of things. But realistically, it does nothing for your business if you don't fix the cash flow issues to begin with. Most issues come out of one source, and that's going to be invoicing and payment collections. So one of the biggest points then that I got from Michael is you've got to make it easy for your customers to pay. Think about it in terms of e-commerce sites. When you want to have the least amount of clicks as possible, I think Amazon was probably king of that back in the day with their, what, one-click buy button or whatever they call it. And it's the same thing when you're billing your customers. Having them being able to get the invoice, they open it, and all they got to do is one to two clicks, bing, bang, boom. It's paid. It's made your life so much easier because it gets you the cash that you need so much quicker, easier, less follow-up. You don't have to be chasing the money. And, you know, I, I kind of look at something like Stripe. I think it's Stripe. I could be wrong. But I think Stripe's the platform that's used by like a ton of websites. And I love it because when I go to a website that has Stripe on it, uh, like, for example, I bought the coin. What was it from the Daily Stoic? Here you go. I'm giving them a shout out right now. I bought their coin. It's got an Italian phrase on there. Just remember, you know, like, hey, in fact, here it is right here. Um, it's uh, memento mori, you know, that you could leave life right now. And I'm like, this is a great reminder because that's how I like to live life. Like, hey, any moment can be your last moment, you know, do it on good terms, live life to the fullest. So I, I live by that in my head. And I'm like, wow, this uh, embellishes that. And the coin was like 25 or 30 bucks. And I was kind of like, oh, I'm a little bit pricey, you know, for just a simple coin like this. But when I'm at the checkout, I put in my phone number and then all of a sudden I get the code. I put the code. In. Like they already got the info there. It's got my shipping address. It's got my credit card info. And all I have to do is hit buy. So guess what? Obviously, I hit the buy button. and. You know, it's it just like, again, bing, bing, boom. It has everything there. And it, it really just enabled me to do my impulse purchases. <laughs> so I guess I can blame them for my shopping addiction, right? <laughs> but seriously, I mean, that's kind of what you want to do with the invoicing to get paid for your customers. Make it as frictionless as possible. Give them the low-hanging fruit of, of them giving you their money. That is what Michael's talking about. It's great advice. And it's one of those business basic things, you know, like business 101, getting paid from customers that as time goes on, especially you have issues like COVID and stuff like that, you kind of forget about it. You know, it's there. But it's not really there. And it's kind of like hearing this stuff again, especially with a spin on it like Michael gives it, brings it to the forefront so that you can reevaluate how you do those things today. So, hey, again, make sure you check out Michael on LinkedIn. Join his newsletter. 
He's a great dude, and I'm hoping we're going to be having him back on this show again. Question of the day. What do you use for invoicing? How do you make getting payments a low-hanging fruit for your customers? Again, do you want to be in the show? Just like Michael, shoot me an email, interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Look, I am booked this whole year. We are completely booked for 2021 for guests, maybe even early 2022. I am overbooked. Uh, That's how bad it is. But don't let that discourage you. We're going to be doing some live streams. We just had one on hotline.co. We're going to be doing another one. And there's going to be a lot more to follow. And I want to bring people like you on the stage with me to discuss business. So please reach out to me. Let's do this. Two final reminders. Make sure you join the channel on YouTube. Okay, $3 a month. You can become a baby shark. Or like I said earlier, go to deadhousecoffee.com. Use the code SHARK. You can get an awesome shirt like this. You get 20% off your fresh coffee. It is literally roasted, peeled, and shipped to you within 24 hours. You will not find fresher coffee anywhere. Once again, I'm David Strasser. This is Shack by Fizz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. 